this book of Corinthians, there is uh, 1 Corinthians, there is some, uh, you know what I love about 1 Corinthians is there's, it, there's no shying away from tough subjects in here because Paul kind of confronts a lot of things uh, right up front and on the, on the get-go. And so, uh, you know, so we're going to just dive right in. And last week, or yeah, last week we covered a, a tough subject talking about Christian liberties. And, and, you know, some people say, well, is it okay if I do this? And some people say yes, and some people say no. And, and uh, I think Paul spells that out really well. Um, he talked about, you know, doing things in love for others. And so if it causes your brother to stumble, he says he, abs he abstains from sin. He doesn't do that thing. And so we talked about that, and uh, he used himself as an example in, in chapter 9 and did a, did a very good job uh, talking about that. There's some things he said, you know what, I could take liberty in that I'm an apostle, and I could be married if I want to. M my wife could travel, and, and he's saying, you know, you guys could should be helping me out financially, but you are not, and that's okay. And he says, but I, I you know, because, you know, James and John and Peter, they were getting paid by the church, but he, he was okay with that. He, he brought up Ephesus, and so that was one of the things he talked about. He said, you know, I have these liberties, but I, I don't take these liberties, and I don't want you to, to slip. And how many know we got to love people? We have to love people. And, um, you know, Christ loves people. How much does Christ love people? He's willing to die for them. And, and honestly, we got to love people in the same sense, in the same attitude. And you say, well, I don't know if I want to die for anybody. Well, I understand that, you know. But, but in the same sense, you ought to love people enough that your lifestyle, the way that you live, should point people to Jesus Christ, not push them away from Jesus Christ, right? Why do people say that, that people in church are hypocrites? Think about that for a minute. Because we say one thing and we do another, right? Well, Paul's kind of addressing this here in these, uh, these three chapters here. And we're going to finish up here in chapter 10. He does a, a great job. He used himself in, in chapter 9. Uh, and then uh, he'll use uh, here in chapter 10, he'll talk about the nation of Israel. And we'll see them uh, in, in their lost liberties needlessly and how they lost them. So let's talk about this in chapter 10, verse 1. If you need a, a subheading here. Um, the main subheading here is warning against idolatry, right? That one of the Ten Commandments is have no other God, what? Before him, before me is what it says. And that means anything that is between me and my relationship with God is an, come on, say it, idol. All right. So, uh, so he begins to warn us about this. So uh, ch uh, chapter 10, verse 1 says this, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. The King James Version actually says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Everyone say ignorant. Ignorant's not a, not a bad word. It just means you don't understand something you don't you've never been taught something and so uh, it's interesting that Paul uses this verbiage he uses it five times in all the epistles that he wrote and he identifies five things that he doesn't want any believer to be ignorant on and I'll, I'm going to go through this here if you want to write this list down number one he doesn't want you to be ignorant Romans 11 25 through 27 he, he doesn't want you to be ignorant on God's heart and plan for Israel number one all right God does not want you to be ignorant on that subject okay 
Paul wrote that in Romans. Here in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, a couple, couple chapters away, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant on spiritual gifts. How many know that sometimes, you know, just because it's uncomfortable, we don't want to talk about spiritual gifts. I don't know what your, you know, everyone's denominational background is different. Some churches don't even talk about them. It's just like we'll just push it under the rug. And how many know that we are a full gospel church? We believe this whole book. We don't just talk about the subjects we want to talk about. We talk about all of them because it's all edifying, right? So here, and he says this, I don't want you to be ignorant on, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, Satan's strategies. And how many know as a child of God, we ought to know what the enemy's strategies are in our lives so we can stand when the time comes that we need to stand. Amen? It's hard to beat a foe when you know what's coming at you, right? You ever been, seen a really good coached basketball team that knows what the other team's doing and they, they can work over that team because they already know the strategy. To, come on, we ought to be, as the believers in Christ, we ought to know the devil's strategies and be ahead of him one step because the Holy Spirit will give us, he'll give us direction in our lives. Amen. Here's the next thing, the rapture of the church, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant on the rapture of the church. And I want you to think about how many people don't know what the rapture of the church is or, or don't know what, what, how the nation of Israel and God's plan for Israel is and how many people don't know about spiritual gifts and how many people don't understand Satan's strategies in life. And here's the last thing he says, the lesson that he wants us to know is don't be ignorant on the lessons from the children of Israel. First Corinthians chapter 10 is what I just read. He wants you to understand there's some things. How many know that the Bible is full of all kinds of great lessons? Amen? Come on, you might as well say, yep. All right. I, uh, uh, so, so what do we find most Christians, you know, uh, being ignorant on? These five subjects right here. The rapture, right? Spiritual gifts, come on, right? Satan's strategies, uh, 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 you know, lessons of the children of Israel, God's plan for Israel. You know, it's interesting, Israel goes to war and... Um, you know, I get a lot of phone calls, and I get a lot of texts, and I get a lot of people ask me, well, well, what is God doing with Israel in this moment? Well, you have a Bible. You can read it, right? And, and, and I, I want to challenge you as a believer, hey, dig deep. Find those answers. Look at those five things, and do like Paul. Don't be, and do, do what Paul says. Don't be ignorant on those things. So after being the children of Israel, after being free from Egypt, um, you know that great story, they went across the, the Red Sea, God saved them, and Pharaoh died, and the Egyptian army died. How many know that Egypt is a type of, of sin? When we talk about Egypt in Scripture, it's, it's the flesh, it's our sin. How many know that God brought us out of sin and our flesh, and he set us free, and he's taking us to a promised land, amen? The, you, see, you see the imagery here, but it's interesting, there was a cloud that, that rested on the children of God, a cloud which covered them, kept the sun from, from burning them, helped them, uh, with, uh, you know, uh, in the, with rising temperatures in the desert. Anybody ever spent any time out in the desert, the hot desert, you know, when it's 100 plus degrees and the sun's bearing down on you? All you want to do is find some shade, even if it's 90 degrees in the shade, it's better than 120 degrees in the sun, right? And, but God led them, he led them, he covered them from the sun, and he guided them, the cloud would move, and guess what? They knew it was time to move with the cloud. So this tells me that the people of God, that, that we as the people of God, uh, we really do have it made in the shade, if you think about it. Because all we have to do is follow the Holy Spirit and the cloud where God is taking us. 
What do you mean, Pastor? Well, as long as we follow the Lord, guess what? He's going to cover us, and he's going to guide us, and he's going to protect us. Amen. How many believe that? Amen. Oh, man, that's good. And so it's when we try to do things on our own that we struggle with the heat of life, right? Life gets tough because I'm, I'm doing it on my own. I'm not really following what the Lord wants me to do. I'm doing uh, the way I want to. I get frustrated by my surroundings. So what are you saying? This is what I'm telling you today. Look for the shade, the Holy Spirit, the way he moves and the way he guides. Listen, and life will not affect you in the negative way. Uh, you know, I'm not saying you're not going to have trials. I'm not saying you're not going to have situations that come, but... You know, oftentimes people sweat and struggle. They strive to determine the will of God. Instead, you know what we need to do? God is where the shade is. That's where we got to go. Just follow the Lord. Just follow the Lord. All right? Uh, and so look at this. Verse 3 says this. And, and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Everyone say amen. So uh, if you look at the King James Version, I, I think this, this says they were baptized by the Red Sea or by Moses and, and, and led by the Lord as they, they, they stayed in the shade. They, they were fed manna. Come on. God was meeting their needs, right? He was throwing manna at them every morning. And the people also, they drank from the rock. You remember the story, right? Moses hit the rock and the, rock and the water came forth. How many know that God will be your provision in the middle of the wilderness. How many know in this lifetime, this life that we live, God will be your shade and God will be your provision and he'll help you make it day by day if you just trust and follow him. Amen. So he fed them. He cooled them. He provided water for them. You know, bread from heaven, manna. Come on. How many know that bread from heaven represents the word of God in our lives every day? The Lord wants to commune with you. Every day, God wants to feed you with something. Some of you spiritually are starving because you don't pick up your Bible until you read it here on Wednesday night or on Sunday morning. Come on, somebody, right? Nobody wants to be honest up in the house today. And, and, and you're starving because, and God is saying, I've got manna for you. I've got something for you. The cloud covering them and their life's issues and, and giving them direction. I love that. The water from the rock. And the rock here represents Jesus, the perpetual source of refreshment. So, so if you're in a wilderness time, listen to me. Put your head up, look at God, and know that he has you. He'll cover you, he'll feed you, and he'll take care of you, and he'll guide you. Amen? Verse 5 says this, Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. So most is, is a huge understatement, really. Um, because out of three or so million, four, some scholars, you know, four million or so that were freed from Egypt, you know how many walked into the promised land? Two. Two of the originals. Two of the originals. <laughs> so most is a, a pretty big understatement, really. Um, and it's interesting. So these people were freed, okay? It's like salvation, okay? Coming from the Red Sea, God took me from the flesh and my sinful nature, and he moved me forward, and here I am. And, 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 and God's providing for him. God's giving him manna. God's giving him water. And only two of them enter the promised land. At one point, matter of fact, it's interesting, God gets so upset with the children of Israel, he looks at Moses, he said, your people are frustrated, and Moses says, hang on just a second. Those are your people. 
right? There's this conversation between God and Moses. Neither one of them want to claim it. How many know sometimes neither one of the parents want to claim, you know, the kids, right? But they're arguing back and forth. And Moses said, no, 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 wait. Those are your people. Verse 6 says this. Now these things took place as an example for us. Everyone say example. That we might not desire evil as they did. So now these things took place as an example for us that we might not desire evil as they did. How many know that we're saved by grace? How many love that song, Amazing Grace? You know, it's Charles Spurgeon, he, he said this, the grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. Let me say this, say it like this, a grace that does not change a man will not save a man. You know, why do you say that, Pastor? Because the Bible says this, I am a what? A new creation. The old man has died and no longer. It's like it's like the children of Israel, they went from being slaves to being freed, but they're in the wilderness, but God's taking care of them, but they went from being slaves there in Egypt, and now they're freed. So how many know who the Son has set free is what? Free indeed. So God's grace, listen to me, there's this thing, there's a theology, a, a, a bad theology that says, hey, this God, how many know that God is gracious? He, he will give you grace, man, when you mess up. But listen to me, you, grace is not a license to sin. Grace is a license from sin. Amen? All right. Now, I know you guys aren't going to shout me down on that one, but that's, that's, that's truth. And that's, everyone say, that's right and that's tight right there, okay? I'm going to walk that line. So not only are these stories of the Israelites wandering and fighting in the desert history, but they're practical illustrations for you and I. That's it. These, are, these stories, we look at these, we glean from these things and say, man, they got themselves in a bad situation right there. I ought not do the same thing, right? And, and that is, that is, that's very practical application to us spiritually. So uh, one of the great lessons we can learn from the children of Israel is that even though we are free, and they were free, okay, even though they were out of uh, the bondage of, 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 of Egypt, even though we have liberty, and they had liberty, listen, lust and the desires and, and idolatry, and those things came upon them, and, and those things became a replacement for God, all right? So look at this, Numbers 10, you say, what are you talking about, Pastor? Here you go, Numbers chapter 10, God is providing manna every day. And, and while he is providing manna for them every day, you know what they start doing? Murmuring in dissatisfaction. I don't like this manna anymore. Kind of like an entitled generation right here. And God's just blessing them. And God is blessing them. And God is blessing them. Listen, they, are, they just go out. All they got to do is gather it, eat it every, every day. And God is just blessing them. But here they are. They're murmuring and they're dissatisfied because guess what? They were lusting for something else. What do you, what do you mean by that, Pastor? I'm going to use that word lust. And I, I don't want you to necessarily, it is, uh, think of it in a sexual term, but I want you to think of it as something that you desire, come on, that maybe isn't necessarily good for you. So they're lusting meat. And so isn't that the way that we are? We lust, really, not being satisfied with what God is giving us, wanting something else, something different. Right? Not being satisfied. I love the Thanksgiving season because it's about being, having gratitude, being con, uh, content in, 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 in what God has given you, being thankful for what the God has supplied for you. 
And listen, you know what will, will stop you from lusting and wanting something else? Being content and thankful for what God has given you in this moment. Amen? So, so God told Moses, you know, give them meat. And so, you know, Moses responds like, well, how do I do this? Do we kill the cattle that we're trying to take to the promised land? Or do we go fish in the, in the Red Sea? Well, how do we do this, you know? And, and, and it's, it's interesting to me that, uh, you know, that he kind of puts that scenario. And it, isn't that like us, God? Okay, here's the problem, Lord. So do we do it this way, Lord, or do we do it this way? And it's as if God says, you know, uh, you know, we, we say, God, is it true or false? And God says, the answer is C, right? And it's not true or false, the answer is C. And it's interesting, we often fail to understand that God has an alternative plan that we oftentimes can't even comprehend or imagine because how many know that God can do exceedingly above anything that we ask of him, amen? Right, beautiful, beautiful bit of scripture. So, so, and it's interesting, so God sent quail, come on. God blessed them with some quail. Woo, come on, quail and manna and water. Take care of everybody, right? And, and God sent quail, and he sent many quail, and he sent so many quail that the people ate and ate and ate until they were filled, and they could eat no more. Like next Thursday, and you guys are going to eat and eat and eat and eat until you can't take no more, and you're going to take two hours off, and you're going to go back and eat and eat. Come on, right? And so the psalmist, he sheds light on this situation in Psalms 106, 14 to 15. He says, but they had a... Uh, 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 ones in craving in the wilderness and, and put God to, to the test in the desert. It's what they did. They said, you know, we want meat. And he gave them, listen to me, listen to me. He gave them what they asked but sent a wasting disease among them. Be careful what you ask for. Why would God do that? See, see the thing is, God knew the heart of the issue is they were not grateful for what he had been given them. They wanted more. And that's the way lust is. It never satisfies. It's like a disease to our soul. It makes us sick and weak. We feel empty in our spirit. Amen. How many, how many know that in your life? Verse 7 says this. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat, drink, and rose up to play. We're not playing Monopoly. Or ring around the rosy or any of that. No, 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 no. They're, they're, they're out to play. The Israelites were notorious idolaters. They, they, in Exodus, Moses had been in the mountain waiting on the Lord. And he had been gone some 40 days. And the Israelites were growing impatient. How many have ever grown impatient in here? Waiting, 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 waiting. You wait in the line at the fast food restaurant. And it's taken seven minutes instead of five minutes. Come on, somebody, right? And, and you grow impatient. And they are impatient waiting on Moses to come down the mountain. And they ask Aaron. They said, Aaron, listen, we want to worship God, but we, we, we don't have anything to worship. Can you fashion a God for us to worship? And he, he took all their gold and he made a, a golden calf. And here's the thing. This is interesting. This is interesting when you read into this. It wasn't to replace the invisible Jehovah God, but it was a representation, a visible or a tangible represent, representation of him. That is what idolatry is, is that is, is it is taking the place of where God should be. So cultures in that day, they often used cows as, as worship. They were, they were gentle. They were strong. They were reliable animals. They provided. They did all those things. And, and God, was, God was gentle, God was strong, God was reliable, and God provided for them. This is an interesting uh, cor correlation between these things. But here's the problem with idolatry. 
if I allow anything or anyone to represent God to me, it will be a partial representation of the full nature of God. Okay? So what do you mean? So, yeah, cows are gentle. Cows are, cows, uh, uh, you know, are, they provide and, and, you know, they're strong and that's great. But how many know that, that God is not just gentle, but he is a lion he, he, in his holiness and in, in his purity too, right? And so there's some power and might there. So, you know, I don't know about you, but when I get a bunk, amongst a bunch of cows, I'm not really scared of cows very much. I know that they can trample you. I know they can push you over. They're big animals. But listen, you can run at a cow and literally scare a cow, right? But I dare you to try to do that to a lion. Most of us, if there was a lion in here, we would scatter fast in here. If there was a cow in here, most of us would be perfectly calm and, and just be like, why is there a cow in the church? But if there was a lion in here, there would be no questions. We'd all be hitting the doors as fast as we could. Amen? So the cow represents part of God's nature, not his full nature. And th that's, a, that's, a, that's an example there. So, so don't let a person, listen to me. Listen, I'm, a pastor's going to give you some good advice right here. Don't let a person, don't let an author, don't let a ministry, don't let a book be an idol that represents God to you. That's idolatrous, all right? And so there is, there is only one true God, amen? And nothing can represent him except for him. That's it, all right. Verse 8, we must not indulge, all right, in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of death. And we must not, look at this, we must not put Christ to the test as some of them did. And they were what? Destroyed by serpents. So two events here that he brings up. The first is found in Numbers 25 where the children of Israel, uh, uh, you know, they fell to fornication uh, to the with women of Moab, and, and God God didn't like it, and he judged them, and 23,000 died that day, and then another 1,000 died uh, a day later. And so uh, Paul is saying in, in, in this glorious life of liberty that you enjoy, make sure your freedom is not leading you into immorality. That's the warning right there. Hey, I have this freedom. I can do this. Guess what? It can lead you to immorality, right? Uh, um, so, so we say, hey, I, I can watch this, or I can go there, or I can participate in this activity, or I can, I can watch this movie. Come on, somebody. We say that uh, uh, unaware that immorality kills us. Say, so, yeah, I could watch any movie. Guess what? Yeah, you absolutely can. But listen to me. Listen to me, people of God. Garbage in, garbage out. I know you don't want to hear that. I know this is tough. I know this is, uh, this is, is a challenging word, but, man, it, it's where the rubber meets the road. And listen to me. The thing about immorality is, is this. It, it kills us. It kills our marriages. It kills our families. It kills our witness. It kills our joy. It kills the, the, our, our ability of our church to do certain things. And so we have to cut those things out. So here's the second issue was this. The Israelites were grumbling in the wilderness, right? They said, Man, we had it made back in Egypt. They, they reminded, man, it, things were going good back in Egypt. Things were good. We, we missed the garlic, we missed the leeks, and we missed the melons. I don't know who likes garlic and onions just to eat those nasty things by themselves. Now, you put them on something, that's a whole different animal. But, but listen, you, you don't, how many just eat garlic all by itself? 
I don't think very many of you, you take pills probably. Now, you eat it all by yourself. Man, don't get around her. Around, man, you got a piece of gum in your mouth right now. I'm just, I'm just playing. But garlic, very few people eat garlic. Very few people will just take a raw onion and eat it. Now, how many, I know there's got to be some crazy person in here who will eat a raw onion in here. All right, I knew, I, I knew there were people in here that eat a raw onion in here, right? But these people, guess what? God is providing manna. He's taking care of them. And guess what? They are, they are murmuring about garlic, onions, and melons. We had it better back there because we could, we could have those things. In Egypt, we missed those things. And while they're reminiscing about those crops, and this is interesting. Most historians don't even believe that the Egyptians uh, uh, even raised garlic or raised onions or melons. So where does this even come from? They, you know, most historians say that that wasn't a thing there, but that was something that Israel did. But, but it's interesting. That's what happens to us. We oftentimes, come on, romanticize what was. Come on, God's delivered us from it, but we go back, we romanticize it and say, man, it was better then. It was better than where I'm at right now, right? We're like the children of Israel. We long for the old. We, we long for the wild parties, the fun times, and fail to remember this, the loneliness, the emptiness, the guilt that we felt when we were living that way. They remembered the leeks. They remembered the garlic, and they remembered the mel melons, but, but forgot about this, the intense labor that they had to do every day, the beatings that they had to take, the slavery that they were in. So Paul's saying, don't tempt Christ by saying, hey, I miss the old days, and I miss those ways. Uh, why, why am I stuck w with him, or why, uh, why, you know, my other job was better, right? So don't be that way. When I complain about my situation, we're actually complaining about Christ. What do you mean? Christ is the one who allowed you to be in your situation. So you're not walking in thankfulness if you're complaining about where God has allowed you to be. So, man, for every season, right, there's seasons there's in life, right? Sometimes there's happy seasons. Sometimes there's a, a season to cry. There's a season to mourn is what Ecclesiastes says. There's a, you know, so we go through these seasons. So we got to understand we have to learn to embrace what God is doing in our lives in every season. Look at this, verse 10. Nor grumble, as some of them did. And were destroyed by the destroyer. So, so after God had done so much for them, the Israelites were poised to enter into the land. And Moses sends out, you guys know this story, sends out 12 spies into the land. And, and two came back with a good report. Ten came back with a negative report. Two talked about the grapes and the land. Ten said there were giants, big fortified cities, and the land couldn't sustain the group. Is what, so, so man, man, how many know that the majority isn't always right? How many know that God is always right? If God said it, come on, he'll do it, right? So God said, I'm going to send you to a promise. So God will what? Do it. But most of the time, when we don't see it with our eyes, the way that we think that we should see it, how many know we walk by faith and not by sight anyways, and, and if we allow our eyes, they will lead us into negativity, right? So Joshua and Caleb both said, you know what? Let's not rebel against the Lord. Uh, and let's not go against the, the word of the Lord because he told us that this was our land. Uh, yeah, and, and, and I love this because I, I believe it was Caleb that said this, the giants, they are our bread. That's what they said about the giants. They are our bread. Nom, 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 nom. We are going to chew them up is what he's saying right there. Numbers 14. So uh, negativity, come on, listen to me. Negativity 
listen to me, negativity will abort God's promise for you. Well, that's not possible. Man, all I see is giants. All I see is fortified cities. All I see is that the land cannot sustain this big group of people. Negative, 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 right? It's all you hear. Man, listen to me. Who you talk to or hang around is vital, come on, is vital to your success. All right, listen, can I tell you something? Negative Nancy didn't make it into the promised land, but courageous Caleb did, and jumping jumping, uh, Joshua did because of faith. They did it and said, hey, we can do this. I don't know about you. I, I find this in my life. It's easy to major on negatives in life, right? But it takes faith to be positive because I don't always see it. God's got this. Ooh, man. I have a doctor's appointment this week. Not sure what's going to happen. Faith. God's got this. God's got this. I'm going to trust him. I don't, it doesn't, man, it's hard. It's hard. This is work. See, I could be really negative. I could, I could start writing the worst scenarios in my life, you know, because of this. But no, God has got this. Amen. So, and, and 40 years later, it's crazy. Caleb and Joshua made it. And I said they were the two that made it. And they, they got their mountain. I love it because. Uh, Caleb said that he goes, Lord, give me, uh, give me the land, give me the mountain that I saw forty years ago when I was here. That's the land. He's eighty-five years old. He's like, I want what I was supposed to get forty years ago. Never quit, never stop. Right? I love that. He he became stronger. And he, see, this is what happens. Instead of complaining about our trials or our setbacks, you know what he did? He actually ate up the giants, and he ate all that up like bread because guess what? The moment you start realizing there's faith, guess what? You'll get stronger and stronger and more resilient, and things that seem like giants to you, guess what? They're small things to you. You get a little bit stronger. How many can say, hey, I've been through some things, and things that I thought were would kill me a few years ago, guess what? Where I stand now, I know God brought me through. I know that God will keep me, and I know God will, will take care of me. Amen? So imagine our homes, imagine your families, imagine our church would be would be overcoming with strength and power because faith is feeding us. Unfortunately, most will die complaining in the wilderness. If God loves me, we say, why is this happening? Why is that happening? Or how come I have to face this? Then some will say, I smell bread. Go ahead and pass the butter because, man, we're going we're gonna to eat these giants. God's got us. Look at this, verse 11. Now, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction. You ought to underline that. Now, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction. For what? Our instructions on how we ought to live our lives, on whom the end of the ages has come. So, so when we go over scripture, we could see time and time again that God has given us so many examples, sometimes shocking events, sometimes powerful illustrations to teach us very important lessons. So here's pastor's advice for you. Don't miss the lessons. You know what happens when you miss a lesson and you try to take a test on something that you didn't do the lesson on? You don't do very good, right? Don't miss the lesson. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal this to you in in an applicable way. When you're reading these stories, you say, God, help me not to fall in the same pitfall that they did. God, what are you trying to show me? Uh, How can I make this applicable to my life? Read the Bible, looking for lessons. The old 
adage is true, experience is, is the best teacher. However, it doesn't have to be our own experience to teach us something, right? You don't have to experience everything in your life. Matter of fact, I've learned some great lessons uh, uh, in my life. I'm the youngest of all my siblings, and my older brother and older sister, guess what? Uh, they always said, Mom and Dad were so nice to you. Let me tell you what I did when I was young. I watched my brother, come on, who was here a few weeks ago, and I watched my sister make some really dumb mistakes in their teenage years, and I was watching like a hawk. I watched how my parents responded, and I did this, and I said, I am not going to do those things. And I learned from their mistakes, whether they want to realize it or not, I learned from their pitfalls and their trips and their staying out late and coming home too late or, or you know, or wrecking the car or whatever the case. And, and I said, I'm not going to let mom and dad do that to me because guess what? You, you did that and I can learn from what you did and I'm not going to do that. So how good is God that he allowed his people to walk through these things so that you and I, on November the, what is it, the 15th? I don't know. 15th, 2023, could look back at these lessons and say, I don't have to go through that because they did, and I can learn from that, and I can walk victorious because God, God can help me. So, so the children of Israel fulfilling these examples are, are types of ministry to us. It's what they were doing. They were, it's ministry. It's, it's, it's what I do when I preach up here. And I tell you, and I give you my own personal experience. You know what I'm doing? I'm ministering to you. I'm trying to tell you something because maybe something that happened to me could encourage you or could help you out in your life. And that's what God is doing. He's using them and what they went through in ministry. So verse 12 says this. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he what? Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. This is a great verse. Listen to me. Listen to me. We've been talking about Christian liberties and, and these things. And here's the thing. Everyone starts with good intentions. I've got this liberty. I can do this thing. But, but Paul is warning us, hey, hey, anyone who thinks, hey, you, you can stand, guess what? These things can take you out and drive you to sin and drive you to immorality. So, so Paul is saying, uh, don't get too comfortable thinking that, that you have these liberties and that it won't affect you. Because Paul understood something. We're all inclined to thinking we're stronger than we are. Come on. We're all inclined thinking that we're wiser than we are. We're all inclined thinking that we're more spiritual than we are, right? Come on. And so he, he's helping us out. And, and, and you know, in, in Proverbs it said pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall, right? And so and he's saying don't get up on your soapbox and think that you're Superman yet because you're going to get knocked down. He understood that about our human nature. So, so after God miraculously delivered the, the Israelites from bondage in Egypt, he led them with the cloud. He fed them with manna, right? You're following me. He gave them water to drink, quail to eat. God's intentions for them were to go straight into the promised land. And, and honestly, it should have only taken a month, truthfully. Let's just say, it, and, and some scholars say even less time, but let's just say you got 3 million people. It's going to take a while to walk across that, that, that wilderness. And what should have took a month ended up taking them, what, 40-plus years. According to the first 12 verses in this chapter, we are reminded that they dealt with lust. Everyone say lust. Everyone say idolatry. Everyone say immorality. Everyone say complaining. Everyone say murmuring. That it kept most of them out of the promised land. 
so too the Lord has delivered us, right? We've been saved. We've been freed. He's given us grace. He's given us salvation. He's given us freedom from sin. And it's God's intent. Listen to me. It's God's intent that we live the spirit-filled life. Come on. A fruitful life here on earth. Above the reproach of sin. Oh, man, you're not going to hear that very often. Above the reproach of sin, that you can walk this thing out. Come on, not being bound by, by things of this world. So, uh, so too, the Lord has delivered us. Amen. So, but the same sins that barred Israel from the promised land, guess what? Will prevent you and I from living an abundant, overcoming life here. I'll give you a good example. Uh, that verse 12, it said, you know, um, don't, don't, stand, don't stand strong, you know, unless you fall. Uh, there was a young man who served in our ministry, and he was very passionate about people. He loved people, and he said, I, I uh, want to uh, go minister to people in the bars. And I said, man, don't do it. And he, he's like, no, I feel like I'm called to do this. I said, listen to me. As your leader and as your pastor, I'm telling you, you don't need to do it. Well, Jesus did that. He's Jesus. You're not. Listen, don't do that. And, and he began, he thought, well, I'm going to go do that. And so without a blessing or anything, he decided to do this. Listen, it wasn't even weeks that the thing he went to go change people in the bars, guess what? The bar changed him. And he found himself, come on, he found himself, come on, being held in bondage. And he walked out this thing for, for, uh, for years. It took him a long time to get back up on his feet and to get things right. And, 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 and so I, I, my warning to you today, and, and as pastor, is to just tell you this, just in love. I'm not, I'm not trying to beat down anybody. I'm not trying to tell you uh, what, what is sinful, what's not sinful. You ought to ask the Holy Spirit to convict and to lead you. And if the Holy Spirit convicts you of something, I'm never going to tell you that, that that thing is, is not right to be convicted about because the Holy Spirit does, deals with us all differently. He knows what, what will tempt us, right? But, but in that story, come on, I learned something. I learned something from my friends. And I knew, I just knew, I just knew. Listen, don't, don't, don't put yourself in a place that you say, I can do this. I have this liberty. I can do this because that's just what the enemy needs, just a little hook. I never, listen, listen, I, I don't want to ever, uh, uh, you know, get on this subject, but I'm, anyone who is addicted to drugs or alcohol, guess what? It always starts small. So why even give the enemy a hook? So look at this, verse 13. I, we preached about this a few weeks ago. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. Everyone say faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with your temptation, he will also provide. Everyone say provide. Here's the key word, the way. Everyone say the way. That ought to be capitalized, T-H-E-W-A-Y. You know what? The way, the way is Jesus. Everyone say Jesus of escape that you may be able to endure it. After, after 12 verses of caution, Paul gives this verse of comfort. The same temptation that the Corinthians were facing they were normal. Listen, you guys are, are going through normal temptations in your life. These, this is part of life. And, and I'd say the same thing to us today. All believers of all ages will, will have to resist temptation at some point in your life. Your temptation may be different than my temptation. You know, you may be tempted by certain things, you know. 
Uh, some people are tempted by, by Twinkies. When they see Twinkies, they got to run and get a Twinkie, right? Uh, you know, certain things. And I, I, not that a Twinkie's a sin, but, but I remember being uh, uh, tempted as a teenager many times to, to cheat on a test or to look at my neighbor's paper. Don't look all pious like you never thought about it or didn't do it in, in your own self, all right? But, but I remember being tempted, but I remember, come on. This verse always reminds me, hey, because I grew up in church. My parents would, man, there's always a way out, TJ. Yeah, you're right. I should have studied. That was the way out, right? I was tempted to cheat because I wasn't. But, but, but remember, there's always a way out. And you know what I would do? I'd play sick and pass out in class so I could leave. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what I did. Uh, no, I, I, I would think on the question or try to remember what I read or what I took notes on. And, and so, listen, how many know that's a simple illustration? But in our lives, come on, you got to stop and say, God, what does your word say? What does the note say? What are you telling me right now? God, help me to remember. Call to remembrance of things to help me get out of this situation. How many know God is good? Amen? But God's not going to let you experience something that you're not prepared for. God will give you and me all the grace and power to endure temptation. Amen? Verse 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. What? What do we got to do to idolatry? We got to what? Flee. Flee from any person, any activity, any hobby or idea get, that gets in the way of your relationship with the Lord. That's plain. That's simple. But we struggle with it, right? Right? It's a lot of things we put before the Lord. A good question to ask yourself and, and to pray about and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you is this. Lord, what, what am I inadvertently putting in front of you? What am I putting more focus on than you? Help me to reveal that, Lord. Show me, Lord, so I can change that thing. Verse 15, I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourself what I say. So, so Paul's argument here, I like this. He's, he's speaking to sensible people. How many are sensible people in here? All right. He's saying, you guys are smart. Yeah, judge for yourself. So Paul's argument is not one of legalism. But of wisdom, he's saying, stop, take, think about this. I'm not telling you what to do or what not to do, but stop and just think for just a moment, right? This may not be good. Legalism is borderline works-based religion, right? Well, you got to be this way. You got you to dress this way. You got to do these certain things. Paul's saying, no, 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 no. Test what I'm saying with the word of God. Listen to me. Walk it out with wisdom. It's not a list of legalism of do's and don'ts. It's conviction of the Holy Spirit. What is right and what is wrong? Verse 16, the cup of blessing, I like this, the cup of blessing that we bless is not a participation in the blood of Christ. Uh, or I'm sorry, is it not, I'm sorry, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? So following his answer regarding sacrifices, remember I talked about it in verse uh, chapter 8. He talked about uh, was it okay for them to eat? Uh, meats uh, that were sold in the shambles, uh, which was the little rickety place after uh, those meats have been uh, given for idols. And so there was leftover meat. And so the people of Israel or the, the people there in Corinth could go buy this cheap meat. And people were struggling with it because some people said, man, no, that's wrong because that was given as an idol. And some people say, yeah, there's no, there's liberty to that. So we don't have to worry about that. And so he's making his case here. And so this is what this all stems from, all right? 
and, and so, he, so following his answers regarding sacrifices to idols, Paul changes the subject from physical meat to spiritual meat. So the Lord's Supper, communion. Everyone say communion. The, cre- the Greek word for communion is koinonia. And that means this, oneness. Everyone say oneness. Together is what, it, like, what that means. Verse 17, because there is one bread, we who many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. So the culture in which Paul is talking understood something that we don't. When they ate together, uh, it was a very intimate moment because we are sharing the same loaf of bread. Come on, when we when they sat down and ate, they would grab the same loaf of bread. Kind of kind of makes me a little bit kind of like our chips and salsa. Come on, when they d- don't give everyone a bowl, you're sharing the same chips, you're sharing the same bowls, and you're dipping in there, right? And you're like, please don't double dip. But what was happening there is they take that bread and they would dip it down in some stew and, and and they would tear it off of the loaf and they would do that and they would eat and that person would do it. And it was a, a very close moment. No, I don't want to eat food like that with just anybody. Right. I don't want to eat food with dirty hands coming in, grabbing bread. You know, I even like to drink after people and someone double dipping their bread down in the stew. Come on. Right. Uh, uh, you know, I God's working on me. You know, the missionary uh, Les down in Guatemala, he'd be like, yeah, no big deal. Eat it. God will take care of you, right? Uh, not me. I'm not that way. Lord, I have faith. Lord, you give me wisdom. All right, so working that out. But, but, but they shared a loaf. Eating the same bread and meat, they felt uniquely connected through, through common sharing of, of nutrition. So as Christians, when we come to the Lord's table, when we take communion, we're eating the same loaf and the, and the same drink from the same vine. There's oneness, koinonia, between us and between Jesus. You know what we're going to do Sunday? We're going to take communion. You know, it's a beautiful thing, being thankful for what God has done in our lives. Verse 18, consider the people of Israel are not those who eat the sacrifices, participants in the altar. So the oneness of communion, Israel understood that as well. See, what they would do. They would do the same thing. They would offer up their sacrifice in the tabernacle and then later on in the temple. And, and, and part of the meat was sacrif- of the sacrifice would, would rise up to the Lord in smoke. That, that was what it was. And, and what does that tell us? That, that God loves smoked meats. Come on, somebody, right? God likes barbecue. It's right there in Scripture over and over and over and over. All right. All right. So what, what does that tell us? That, that the Israelites were, were able to eat of the remainder. So thus through the peace offering between them and the Lord, they were able to commune with God as they shared meat together. Verse 19. And he's talking to the Corinthians. Remember, they're they're dealing with this man. Is it okay to eat the meat that was that was sacrificed for idols and, and was was on the altar for idols? It's cheap. We can eat it for cheap. Come on, how many know they they were dealing with tough times and they were trying to save a little bit of money like us today, right? All right, but look at this. Verse 19 says, What do I imply then? That Food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything. So he says this. And, 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 and it's interesting because in, in chapter 8, he says, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's the earth is the, is the Lord's. And so it, it's okay. Like he, he says that, but then he kind of says, no, it's not. I don't know if you remember me talking about that last week. But he says, this, uh, he says this, no, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to what? Demons. Everyone say Demons. And not to God. I do not want you to be participants with what? 
with demons. So Deuteronomy 32.17 is one of many Old Testament scriptures that indicate that when the people of Israel offered sacrifices to idols, they were actually offered them to demons. So an idol in itself is nothing, really, when you think about it. God is not moved off his throne by an idol, but demonic entities, come on, listen to me, but demonic entities can be connected to idols that we have in our lives. Demonic entities can be connected to idols that we have in our lives. So look at this, verse 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake the table of the Lord and the table of demons. This is really strong here. In chapter 8, Paul said it was perfectly acceptable to eat the meat offered in the idols. But, but here he's saying, hey, you can't eat at the table of the Lord and the table of demons. So is this conflicting uh, viewpoint? No. You see, what he's saying here is it's not the meat, but it's the meeting that is the problem. It's not what you're eating, but it's the meeting of what's going on. For while it's okay to buy meat in the shambles, it's, it's not okay to take part in idol worship in the temple. So what does that mean for us today? It means this. Although I have liberty to go into certain places, social scenes, I could go into a bar, I could have a Coke. If that place has been dedicated to devilish activity, guess what? Me as a child of God should not be there. I shouldn't be there. So I, I can't hang out with demons on Friday and Saturday and go to church on Sunday and expect God to be all hunky-dory with me. Woo, come on, pastor. It's just, it just doesn't work that way. I, I believe this is one of the reasons. Listen to me. Listen to me, people of God. I believe that this is one of the reasons that the church sometimes we lack power because we have one foot in the world and we have one foot with God. And we're trying to ride this thing out. And God's saying you need to decide today who you will serve, right? You're either going to stand with me or you're going to stand with demons. You're going to be at the table of God or you're going to be at the table of demons. You need to make that decision in your life. You know, here's the thing. If you've ever worked in deliverance ministry, you'll, you'll stop asking the question, can I do this and still go to heaven? I, I, I want to challenge you sometime. <sighs> Sit down with people who are controlled by substances. You pray with people who, who are controlled by substances. And, 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 man, you see the demonic activity that is in their lives, and you wrestle with those things. It's not that we can wrestle with them, but, but, but the power of God is in there. And listen, man, I think sometimes that's why we have an anemic, not, not, I'm not talking about our church, but I mean in general, the church at, at large. Listen, we should be walking around with power and authority in our lives, but here's the thing. We can't do that when we have one foot in the world and one foot in church. Instead, you'll say, hey, I, I'll offend the Lord in this matter. I'm going to do what I want. And we'll sit at the table of demons and, then, and sometimes sit at the table of the Lord. And, and it's interesting. So verse 22 says this, shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he is? So when we, when we get jealous, we feel threatened, right? Uh, I'll never forget when I was young and, uh, you know, me and Kristen started dating. I, you know, I was a little bit jealous, uh, you know, at times and shouldn't have ever, uh, you know, you know, worry about because, man, I am such an awesome guy. Why in the world would she ever want to date anybody else, right? Should have thought that through. Now I know that. So I'm humbling. You know, I'm, jo I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, but, but, but we're threatened, right? And can I tell you something? God's not threatened like we're threatened. 
God's not threatened by other gods, little g gods or demons or idols. Those things don't threaten him. You know, he's not worried about that. But you know what God is jealous for? He's jealous for you and he's jealous for me. It's the fact that our attention is somewhere else. And God wants us. You know, the little pipsqueak demons don't make God jealous. They're not a threat to him. He's, he's jealous for us. He doesn't want us to be destroyed. He doesn't want us to be misled. He, he loves us, right? So he will do whatever is necessary to bring us back where we need to be. So here's the last little subheading here, and I'm going to have to cruise through this as fast as I can. Three more chapters to go. I'm just joking, all right? It says this, do all this for the glory of God. Uh, verse 23, all things are lawful. But not all things are helpful. All things are lawful. He's quoting, but not all things what? Build up. He's quoting what they had wrote him. All things are lawful. He's saying, hey, everything is good, but not all things are helpful to your life, right? Not all things uh, are, will build you up. It's not a matter of can I, can I go here or can I do this. Everything is lawful, but not all things will what? Build you up. Here's the first question. This is what I'll ask you before you do anything in your life. You say, well, is this a Christian liberty? Will it build you up? That's the first thing you need to ask. Will this thing that I'm doing, will it build me up? Will it help me spiritually? Or will watching this filthy, curse-ridden movie that's over-sexualized build me up? Probably not a good idea. Oh, come on, Pastor. I'll come down and sit right where you're at right now. It's okay. So there are some things that won't edify you at all. The second question is, do, do you want to be hanging out with demons, right? We just talked about that. Most of us will answer, no, right? Most of us don't want to, we don't want to deal with that. And Paul is, uh, is, you know, talking about this, and he's saying this, that um, other gods are demonic. So, so we shouldn't even want to be around them. Can I, can I tell you this? Listen, I'm giving, just come on. Here we go. Open doors in our lives. Listen, I, I, listen. I'm going to help you out. I don't know where you're at in your walk with God. Maybe you're a young Christian. Don't call psychics. It's an open door into your life. Listen, demonic activities happen there. Don't do that. New age things, stay away from them. The, the dabbling in the occult, certain exercises that come from religion. Listen, don't do those things. Listen, open door, open door, open door in your life. How do people get bound by certain things? Because they let a little open door. And so I believe that the blood of Jesus can protect you. I believe those things, listen, if you're ignorant on certain things, I believe that God can help you work those things out. But listen, as believers, most of us in here are, are seasoned uh, veterans in, in our word and in our life. Don't open yourself up to demonic things. Amen? All right. Scripture says this, light and darkness do not mix. One drives out the other. All right. I'll leave that one alone. Third question, do you want to provoke the Lord to jealousy? So God's not jealous of demons, but he's, he's sovereign over them. But God is jealous for you and your attention. What if instead of following, uh, uh, you know, a, a spirit, we followed the Holy Spirit, right? What if instead of following an idol, we followed Jesus? Can I tell you I've experienced more joy? Listen to me. I've experienced more joy in my life in moments following Jesus Christ than I have in, in any other activity, in any other situation in my life. Man, it, following Jesus is the best thing that has ever happened to me. Verse 24, let no one seek his own good but the good of his neighbor. So good advice here, right, to live by. If everyone did this, 
guess what? Our society would be much better because we wouldn't be selfish. But here's the problem. We're all selfish. Me, 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 I, I, I want, right? Uh, you may have the freedom to do a thing, he's saying, but, uh, or, or go to a certain place but, or take part in an activity. But the question is, what will your participation do to your brother if you do this? A weaker brother even or sister, even if it doesn't affect you, will people who see you be made poor for it spiritually? Or will their faith be compromised because they're following in your footsteps? Uh, walk worthy of the cause is, is what, what Paul said. You know, I have to walk worthy of, of the call of God on my life. So look at this, verse 25. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's. Everyone say, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any one of the uh, unbelievers invites you to dinner, and if you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any questions on the ground of conscience. But here's the thing, verse 28, look at this. What's it say? Verse 28, beginning says what? But, he just said, hey, you can do this, but, all right, there's, there's something happened here. Whether it was purchased in the shambles or eaten in homes, uh, meat offered to idols is not a problem, okay? But along with the whole earth, it, it's the Lord's. That's, there's the reason. So it's all good except, but if someone says to you this has been offered to a sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. So if someone makes a, a point of telling you to, that the meat before you has been sacrificed to idols, uh, he, he does that for a reason. Therefore, do not partake in in it, lest he be made to stumble. Verse 29, I do not mean your conscience, uh, your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? Verse 30, if I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced uh, because of that for which I give thanks? So Paul, he's given an argument here of the person who says, I, I can thank the Lord for, his, for this place, this piece of meat, so why should I pass it up? And he answers here in the next, next verse right here. I promise we're almost done. So whether you eat or drink, everyone say whether you eat or drink, eat or drink, everyone say that. Or whatever you do, do all to the what? Ooh. Verse 32, give no offense to the Jews or the Greeks or to the church of God. Don't give God's name a bad name by your bad choice. Verse 33, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be what? Mm. Love, love, love. The underlying reason for giving up your liberty is an awareness of how it affects the salvation of another. As he brings this chapter to a close, the important question here, it, 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 or, or about Christian liberty, Paul Paul gives three questions to ask yourself regarding any activity. Write these down. You ready for this? Buckle up. Here we go. This is the meat of the whole thing right here. First thing that we should we should ask these questions is when we're we're dealt with Christian liberty. Is this okay? Can I thank the Lord in it? Can I thank the Lord in it? This is a, that's that's the first one. Verse thirty, verse thirty one. Will God be glorified through it? Number. Verse 31, will God be glorified if I do this, or will he not be glorified? Will this diminish my, uh, uh, you know, will this make God look bad? Verse 32, will someone be tripped up by it? Verse 32, so here we go. Uh, here's an example. The eating of meat from the shambles. Can I thank God in it? Sure, yeah. 
I got this meat. This is good. Will it glorify God? Sure. Will it make my brother or sister trip in their walk? Well, yeah. Then maybe I should abstain from it. Here's another one. I'll give you another example right here. Should I watch this movie? It's not good. Can I thank the Lord in it? Probably not. <laughs> Will God be glorified through it? Probably not. Well, will someone be tripped up by it? Probably me. I shouldn't do it. You say, boy, Pastor, that's that's so, those are really small examples. You say, boy, those are strong, strong things. I, I want to help you. I want to help you walk victorious uh, this life. Uh, uh, you know, here's the thing. Like the weather vane, it changes directions, right? It depends on the wind. The wise man, listen, the wise man in his life will say, you know what? This thing may be lawful, but it's not good. I want to go where the, the Spirit of God is leading. I want to do what the Spirit of God is saying. Amen? Amen? Amen. Do you love me? I'm not picking on you. I'm, I'm just laying it out there. I, I promise you. Will you stand with me? Let's pray. God, I thank you for this word. God, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your grace tonight, God. God, your grace changes us. Lord, your, your grace gives us a new way of living, a new way of thinking, God. God, our old life is laid behind. God, Forgive us for being like the children of Israel at times, God, wanting to go back to what you freed us from, wanting to step back into bondage. When you've set us free, Lord, when you've given us freedom. So, God, I, I pray, Lord, that you would walk with us, God, each and every one of us. God, we're all at different levels in our walk with the Lord. But, God, I pray, Lord, that this would be a clear message to us. Lord, that we'd be an example of what you want us to be. God, certain things in our lives, they may be liberties that we can do. But, Lord, I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit begin to speak to us and say, should we do it? In this moment, God, I pray, Lord, that we would learn to love others in the case that, you know what? I will give up my liberty if it helps my brother out to walk in freedom. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just be with us, God, as a people of God. Help us to grow in you, God. I know these are deep things, Lord, and I know these are are things that, that, that press our hearts. But, God, I pray, Lord, that they would be uh, just sent into our hearts, God, that they would be planted deep within our hearts, Lord, that this, this we can come back to this, Lord. We can be reminded of those three questions, Lord. Uh, you know, it, can I thank God in this? Lord, will you be glorified in this? Is it going to make somebody stumble, Lord, that when I'm walking through the, a situation, I can stop and go, you know what, Lord, I want to glorify you in all things. God, all I want to do is just love on you, God, and I don't want to do anything to ever offend you. God, I love you so much. God, I thank you for each and every person here. God, I pray, Lord, you bless their coming. Lord, that you would bless their going. Lord, that you would walk with them, that you would give them the freedom that they need, Lord, to stand against the enemy, Lord. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would just make a way where there seems to be no way. Those who are dealing with sickness and situations, God, I pray, Lord, we lift them up right now. Lord, that you would touch and minister like only you can. God, thank you for this church. God, thank you for... Uh, everything that you're doing amongst your people. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be blessed this week. And, Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Just hang on.